You know, so when we talk about conflict resolution, it's I have a story in my head about whatever, and it's true and Greg's wrong. You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Thank you for joining us. All right, Nateek Nation, how are you doing today? My name is Greg Roscoff, and I have the honor of serving on our professional staff as the Chief Risk Officer. And today, we are bringing an episode that will be a part of our esteemed discussion series. Now, this theme uh, of the series is about our fraternal value of esteem, uh, obviously by the name of it, but it's not as straightforward. There's, there are many nuances to, to this value and how it actually comes to life. Uh, when we read it out of the ritual and read it out of the Declaration of Principles, esteem to us is that is respectful to the honest convictions of others. And that refrains from treading upon which that is sacred to spirit and conscious. And when we go through this series and these topics, uh, we want to focus on how this value really translate into real life, into the real experiences that we all face just as human beings and as how we you know, face these experiences as men of all ages. And uh, we want to make this more actionable. What, what can we do with it? How do we live that value of esteem that it's just not words on paper? It actually comes to, comes to life for us. So today, we've titled our discussion, uh, Connections and, and Conflict. You know, we're all interconnected. Uh, we're all working with each other. The fraternity, you know, just in the, in the values, and, and as I'm sure you know, our members out there know, even on our, our secrets and our sayings, how we're not just one person, how we're many that uh, can come, come together to do more, and do greater things for, for ourselves, for our fellow brothers, for our communities, for our, for our campuses, and, and you know, for many people, even the world. So our discussion today, we really want to focus in on um, how do we best approach our brothers, situations, people with empathy and humility? How do we employ the conflict resolution skills and those, those management skills, those self interpersonal skills to promote the, the well-being of our relationships. Uh, obviously, we're, gonna, we're not always gonna agree, there's gonna be some conflict. And then ultimately, um, end this discussion today on some mental well-being, some mental health for not only ourselves, but our fellow frauders and, and how we can help uh, resolve some, some potential conflicts there even. So I'm delighted to have with me today, frauder, Dr. Jerry Optoff of the Optoff Center for Psychotherapy, where he's been counseling individuals, couples, and families for over 20 years. Now, he's built his practice on connection, on relating to clients as a whole people, and not just, not just those problems that they're, they're facing. Uh, Frater Jerry was tasked by the governor in the state of New Jersey to work, <clears throat> excuse me, to work on numerous committees to, to combat substance abuse. Uh, he's gone on, he's co-founded uh, the not-for-profit National Coalition for the advancement of drug-free athletics incorporated. You know, Frater Jerry's got a whole wealth of experience and knowledge that he's gonna bring to the table for us today to keep this esteem discussion going in the right direction. And you know, Frater Jerry, I could sit here, I could talk about your accomplishments, I could read through your resume, but that, that's not gonna do it justice. I, I wanna hear it directly from you. What is, what is that origin story? Your, your how, your why? You know, just tell the, the audience a little bit about yourself and um, just, you know, kind of go from there and, and we'll take this discussion. Well, Frater Greg, thanks for having me in today. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's unique to be able to do this uh, in this modality now uh, that we're currently in, but the origin story actually goes back even greater than 20 years ago. So um, I've actually started doing what I would say therapy was back in high school. Somehow, and I, I wish I could remember, it's a few years ago, but as a junior in high school, I had to apply to some classes my senior year. I picked this psychology uh, program that, like I said, I can't remember why, but I had to go through the interview. And at the end of it, I ended up getting chosen and being part of this program. Uh, in today's day and age, we'd call it a peer leadership program. So the okay. senior year of high school, I actually took classes on psychology and how to handle conflicts, how to work with people. And then they actually assigned students for me to work with uh, in high school. A lot of them were like freshmen coming in that were having various issues um, to help them. So as I was applying for colleges and deciding what was I going to do with my life, it, this ended up being it. So but the origin story goes back to about 16 years when I was 16 years old. 
Um, and then when I chose to go to Montclair, um, I had the privilege of going to a school that was in state and close to me. And um, as, as the origin story goes with regards to, you know, Teak is one of the guys that I grew up with. I've known since I was five years old, we were uh, doing the orientation and he said, I'm joining this Teak fraternity. I go, well, if you can do it, I can do it. And lo and behold, I didn't know much, but I, I, I signed on the dotted line and started very soon into my freshman semester pledging Teak. And uh, it's been a long road and a very uh, enjoyable road to say the least uh, for the last, you know, decade, well, several decades now. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm coming up on that, uh, that two decade mark myself. So I can, I can appreciate the, uh, the longevity of the relationships you build and uh, just the, the, the different things that you forge with, you know, your fellow man and how mm -hmm. that person and those people can help you achieve things that you never thought you could on your own. And that's one of the beauties of fraternity. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to have you here today. And just even hearing that, that story, peer-to-peer uh, -peer -peer and, and peer intervention is one of the, the biggest things that is uh, taking, uh, you know, student affairs and the, the types of things that our guys are seeing, our active members are seeing. Uh, that's a huge topic for administrators and empowering our guys. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you've got a wealth of experience with it because I think it's some, that right there is just something actionable our, our guys can do and, and, and go out and volunteer for and be a part of and better themselves to help better their fraternal experience. And, and to be that first line of defense when it comes to, when they, when it comes to things like mental health, it's, it's super important. And uh, now more than ever is necessary in our world. Absolutely. If we want to change the world, it, go, it starts with changing and helping one person. So if we just break it down to a simplistic fact, if I could help one person, I can make a difference in the world. One person becomes one family, one family becomes one town, one city, and it just grows from there. So it's an intricate part of our lives. Well, I think that's an excellent way to frame where we'd like to go with our conversation today, because you've got to start with something that you can conceptualize. Mm -hmm. You've got to start with something that's real to you. And if you start off with thinking, I'm going to change the world, or I'm going to do this grandiose goal, that's way too abstract for many people. Yes, there are certain folks out there that are hardwired and they, they can take the change the world mentality and make it their own. But for many, many others, they need to see what those small steps are, that what can I do today to build like a domino effect, if you will, into their lives and then to see real change, right? Is that Absolutely. I always would use the example of going to the gym. You know, I want to go to the gym. I want to lose, I don't know, let's say 20, 30 pounds. But I got to start with focusing on that first pound. When I see that first one, it becomes the two, and then it becomes a snowball effect. And by the time I hit 25, 30 pounds that I want to lose, it, it's become a habit. And that's what we want to do. We want to create a habit that we just do these things and we're aware of these things. But it starts with the self-awareness, you know, to, to be the change, as Gandhi said, you know, the, to be the change, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. And so looking at ourselves, knowing what our core values are, our core beliefs are, and then we can go, you know, from there. Absolutely. So what we're talking about today, what we're getting into with the whole, um, the, the whole topic of conflict resolution, and we, we definitely want to hit on some more of that mental sure. health and, and awareness pieces uh, before we conclude. But let's start off talking on that, that, that conflict resolution, some of those skills, some of those uh, just methodologies, things that guys can employ in their day-to-day -day lives when certain conflicts may arise. I'm sure you remember being around the, the chapter, you know, guys are going to disagree. You know, what have you seen that's, that's effective? What are some of those skills and, and uh, methods that people can work and employ in their day-to-day -day lives to overcome, whether it's a small little conflict or whether it might be something rather substantial? Well, a couple things there, Greg. First off, um, years later, still involved with Teak and in Teak uh, Facebook pages, even with some of my own fraternity brothers, conflicts don't end. <laughs> I still see conflicts on Facebook and social media with some of the guys that I've pledged with and have lifelong history with about disagreements. So conflict is not something that ends at any particular time in life, and it's just a part of life. Um, where do we start with that? You know, it's first off is just accepting the fact that we're going to have conflicts with people. 
You know, there's nothing that says that we're going to go through our lives, go through our world without having some form of conflict or disagreement with people. I think the more we, we try to accept that, it's a good starting point rather than trying to deny that we want this perfect world that conflicts aren't going to exist. Then we go, what we want to look at is what are really our core beliefs, our core values? And a lot of times conflicts come up because I think people haven't really looked at what do they really feel about a particular issue? Uh, when I think about my time in antique, my time in college, graduate school, time with friends, I see people get upset and get into conflicts about what they think someone's thinking, what they think is being heard, what they heard from somebody else, but not really what they really value, what they really you know, want to stand firm on. And when we, there's a difference between being firm in a particular belief that we have versus being reactive to, let's say, gossip. And that those, when we're reacting to gossip or things that we're not really educated on or knowledgeable about, but quite frankly, aren't passionate about or believe in, that's where I think a lot of conflicts, you know, come, uh, come from. When sitting down with individuals and, and sitting down with two people in a room and hashing out what's gone on, a lot of it in the beginning is boiling down of, okay, what's really the core issue here? You know, you know when, I, when I work with student leaders and I, I had the opportunity to work on a college campus for a few years, one of the big things that we, we would try to employ, things that we would, we would work with our student leaders on and coach them on is discerning what's fact, what's opinion, and what's rumor. And walking through those different pieces of information that they see and they hear, how they collect information, how they process information. And, and much of that really is founded in communication and how they handle communication, uh, the, the modes of communication back to them. And then they have to make a credibility assessment on those pieces. And it goes back to whether something, is this factual? Is this just someone's opinion? Uh, are they complaining perhaps? and they just want a voice to be heard? Or is this a, a rumor that I gotta go and, and do some more research on? But ultimately that comes back down to what level of communication and how much they're willing to invest in that. What other things have you coached, uh, young, old, doesn't matter, how, how have you coached uh, folks through uh, some of these scenarios? As far as, um, I just wanna add on to what you're saying, uh, Greg, oh, is that, one of the things that I always try to uh, point out to people in any situation is what are they thinking about the situation? You know, one of the problems with going, adding on to what you're saying is that we all have a story we're telling ourselves and we think our story is true. You know, so when we talk about conflict resolution, uh, it's I have a story in my head about whatever and it's true and Greg's wrong. Okay. Yep. And so I always want people to start off with like, okay, what's the story in my head? What am I telling myself? And where's the evidence to prove that? Right. So they need to internalize that more. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Is okay. Like my wife, my kids, people I've, I've um, counseled over the years and I've worked with that. Okay. And I'll say them, what's the story you're telling yourself? You know, well, the story I'm telling myself is my wife doesn't really love me. Okay, where's the evidence to support that? You know, oh, my fraternity brother really doesn't respect me. You know, okay, why? Where are you getting that? You know, uh, oh, he, you know, he threw his, uh, his clothes on my floor side of the room and that's disrespectful. Okay, does, but that, have you ever done that? Well, yeah, I have. Okay, so it's disrespectful when he does it, but not when you do it, right? We want to look at our personal narrative that we're, we're, we're taking in these situations. A lot of times with conflict, just looking at ourselves and our, our view, the story we're telling ourselves can make it a lot easier to um, lower those tensions that are, are arising and come to an, um, a solution or a resolution a lot quicker because we're taking ownership of oneself. And that has a lot to do with, uh, well, two things, really self-awareness and ego, which I'm mm -hmm. sure you work quite a bit with people on just, helping them challenge some of those assumptions, challenge some of the, the thought processes and get them to see, you know, we, we kicked off this talking a little bit about empathy mm -hmm. for your fellow, you know, man, fellow frauder, you know, wife, whatever relationship that you could be in. So to me, that goes back to that 
that principle of having empathy and being able to see from those other angles of those individuals to challenge that, that narrative that you may have created. It may be true. There may be some truths, maybe some things created. And it really starts with that reflection of self before we can move anything forward to get into the more communication type pieces, right? Absolutely. We have that. We all have our core beliefs, our core values. You know, the foundation of Teak and our chapters are based on a common, you know, belief, a common greater than ourselves, that empathy. Um, and, and that's what we want to go back to is trying to remember what somebody else is going, you know, potentially going through. You know, the, the, the difficulty with the topic today uh, for me is that it's, it's so grand that there's so many avenues we can talk about. We're trying to, you know, cover, you know, various aspects in, in one talk. But, you know, to be empathetic as much as, you know, going back to my college days or, or working with people is, you know, the people we're involved in uh, conflict with are usually people we care about, you know, they or, or we're closely uh, connected to. Right. So whether it's our fraternity, it's our brothers or it's somebody at work, we're in a, cl a close proximity to them. And we remember when there's a tragedy in anyone's life, we all I would like to believe we all step up and we're supportive uh, with that person, individual. And we want to remember that in other calm times as well is that we're all in this together. You know, we all have common goals, common needs. And that empathy is just remembering we're all going through things at different times. I don't know what anyone's particular story is at any time, but to remind myself that we're all going through that and that empathy. Yeah, and it's evident today people are hurting. Uh, Absolutely. People are going through many different scenarios, whether it's pandemic related, whether it's job, career related, it's family. They may have lost someone recently. There are so many factors that go into it that you've got to drop the ego and understand that your view is only one view. And after it starts from there, only then can you move on to that intervention, that talking to that other person, that finding that common ground in order to move this forward. So what are some of those things? So let's throw a scenario that I think is probably pretty common. Okay. We do it just a second ago. I'm living in the chapter house. I got another guy living in the chapter house and my, my room's nice and clean. Their room's dirty. They're leaving their stuff behind in the, in the bathroom. They're not doing the dishes. They haven't done their, uh, their work schedule uh, that they've been, they've been tasked to do for the week. How do I, as a young leader, uh, approach that? And I know for a fact, right, I've discerned, I've gone through that process. I've owned where I'm at. Um, Perhaps I've realized I haven't led or I haven't communicated enough. How do I now take that to the, the gentleman, the frauder that's living next door that doesn't you know, comply? He's not getting, not getting his work done. He's, he's, he's bringing a mess and now it's causing uh, other, other tension uh, perhaps on the, on the floor that we're living on. Sure. So what I would go back to if I was w sitting with these individuals, I would say something of like, okay, all those uh, – examples you listed, Greg, are they really that important to you? Because not all those, all those uh, behaviors, those actions are really that important. There's probably one or two that are really important. And I would ask you to look at those. And then I would say, go to that person and address those two issues. So rather than bringing out a laundry list of issues that I have with you, uh, you, you haven't you know, put the cap on the toothpaste and you didn't do your chores and you're doing this, because instinctively, nobody wants to be told they're wrong. No one wants to be, told, be made uh, fun of. No one wants to be the butt of jokes. Nobody does. Um, and so when we come to somebody with that laundry list of issues, they're, gonna, they're going to get their defenses up because we're attacking their self-esteem. We're attacking their core belief. When I can come to them and say, you know, Greg, I got to tell you, this really bothers me. And if we can come to some agreement, can we, can we do this? I, people are more receptive to understanding that when I'm really saying, hey, this particular issue bothers me, you know, rather than giving the laundry list. But it goes back to, and I always go back to it, it goes back to myself. Is this issue, is this coffee cup left here or this uh, not doing this behavior, is that really that upsetting to me? Is it really that important? The more things, and a lot of times with conflicts, 
we quote unquote eat things, we stuff them down. I'll ignore it, I'll let it go, I'll let it go. But inevitably what we do is we're just building up a bigger list. So now we, now we become um, ultra uh, vigilant to find every little thing that Greg's doing to fit that narrative, that story I mentioned before, that see, Greg is not a great person. Uh, you know, or he's a slob. If I think Greg's a slob, I am looking for every, every bit of evidence to support that. So going back to is what is he doing that's really concerning to me? You know, at the end of the day, maybe my, my roommate is leaving plates of food in the room and we're getting some bugs in there. Okay, that's really going to bug me more so than the cap on the toothpaste. So let me just address that issue and let me come from a empathetic issue because if I can look at myself and go, I know I got my own things and my own quirks and my own behaviors, let me find out what it is. So Greg, what is it about, you know, leaving the dishes around that, you know, I could help you with, you know, how can we come to this resolution? How can we come to something that we can both reside in this area and not want to kill each other because of plates in the room, you know, but narrowing it down. Well, I like how you went ahead and worded that. And I think it's important to, to dissect it for a second because one, even, even before you went up and, and said, hey, you're leaving the plates in the room and, and how can I help you? You rechecked your biases of what are you there to actually confirm? What is the real reason of why I'm having this? Yep. So that you're going in with that full belief. Because I think if you don't, people are going to see right through whoever's trying to make that resolution from the given conflict. But two, you made yourself a part of that solution. You didn't give up on the person. You didn't say, hey, I'm done with you. You didn't throw your hands up. You didn't get all in a huff. You made yourself part of that solution so that you could help put both of you in a better position. Absolutely. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Father Greg. No, but everything, like we mentioned before, everything's about relationships. So my fraternity brother, if we're living in the house, we have that common goal of teak. If I'm, uh, on a, if I'm a commuter on a, camp, a college campus, but I'm a part of TEAK, I still have a connection there. If it's my, if as, a, uh, as a business owner, if it's my employee, we have a relationship there. If I work for a Fortune 500 company and it's the guy next to me, we have that common relationship. Even my wife and I, it's a relationship. And so I gotta take, I gotta check myself before I start attacking that person because we are interconnected. As human beings, we're social creatures. You know, you mentioned the pandemic before. You know, one of the struggles with the pandemic is being connected to other human beings. I might hate half the people in my office building, you know, in any particular day or week, but at least I'm connected. I have that interaction. Through, from the dawn of time of man, we were, you know, in clans, in groups. We are social creatures. And if we can remember, that's a core part of who we are. It doesn't mean at times we don't want uh, to be alone and recharge, but we're interconnected. We're in this together. And that's that fundamental belief we always want to kind of keep in the forefront and we want to come from is we're in this together. If we're in a, a fraternity house, we're on a college campus, we're in this together. We're in this together to build uh, a, a brotherhood, um, to, uh, to build connections, both uh, personally as well as professionally. Some of the, you know, some of the career um, advances I've had are because of Teak, of people that I've come across who are Teaks. You know, some of my closest friends today are still guys I pledged with. Uh, who I'm even closer with than I was with guys that I, I went to high school or elementary school with. And so the fundamentals that we're interconnected and the person we're having conflict with is someone who's in the arena with me. You know, they're, uh, they're in, the, in the arena, on the floor, getting dirty, and that's what we want to go back to and remember. Well, Jerry, and that just speaks right back to our ritual. It speaks right back to our values, what we practice, what we commit to through our bond and really goes into that external pressure, the, the concept of the equilateral triangle and how the external pressure forces us closer. Mm -hmm. But when we have internal pressure, that's what pushes us apart. Yep. And you've got to go through and you've got to release that internal pressure. You yep. can't just let it bury it down. You've got to have these, this skill set. You've got to develop the skill set and really hone in on yourself to go out and relieve that internal pressure because we are all committed to that greater goal. You've got to set a lot of that personal belief in business. You've got to set that 
to its proper place yes. and then realize that I'm here to contribute. And the best way I can contribute is to actually go and confront that individual, or maybe it's two or three individuals, but to do so in the right manner and not to create more conflict. That's just going to push us farther apart because these things are going to come up with external forces of, of girlfriend uh, or, or boyfriend. It's going to come up with external forces of the campus or the school other organizations. It's not just even a, a neighbor to neighbor, I'm living next to you. There are other things that can compound and get even greater if we are, if we're ignoring in one area, it probably means we're ignoring in multiple areas. And that's what's gonna tear down our brotherhood, right? I mean, absolutely. You have to see this in your, your work. Absolutely, I mean, one of the, the foundations I talk about with patients all the time is like, you know, are they taking care of the four areas of their life? You know, are they taking care of their body? You know, what are they eating? What are they, uh, are they exercising? Are they taking care of their mental state? Are they doing stuff to help their job? Are they, are they focused on their relationships? Men today don't know what it means to be men. And quite frankly, I don't know if I know what, what it meant to be a man back in the day. I may have yeah. just, uh, I've maybe gotten some insight over the years. But you know, men today, young men, uh, middle-aged men, old men, our, our, our priorities are off. And so going back to if we take care of oneself, then you know, we can flow better and work with those pressures. Pressures are always going to be there. You know, there's always going to be issues in our lives. Um, it's just a part of nature. But we got to take care of ourselves and make sure we're grounded so then we can address these things in an appropriate manner. I, I, you know, I can speak for myself, but if there's days or weeks that I'm off, I'm not taking care of myself, I'm more likely to snap at people. I'm more likely to, to uh, find things people do as annoying or frustrating than when I'm taking care of myself. So it always comes back to taking care of ourselves, evaluating our ego, our, 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 our values, and then addressing things appropriately. And, and reminding myself, and I, and I try to do this, and I try to you know, teach others, is okay, what part do I play in this? What am I thinking of this going back to that? Because it all starts with the self. And if I can look at myself and realize that I do things that Greg may or may not you know, uh, agree with as well, but Greg may just be a really nice guy who never says anything to me. So, but I have to remember that, you know, that other people are going through things. Yeah, it's a sense of ownership, right? You've got to Absolutely. own who you are, where you want to go, what you want to become, so that you start dictating more of those decisions. You're not letting those external forces make those decisions. I'm glad you brought up the, the concept of, of man and manhood and masculinity. These are the years that, that young men are, are forging themselves. They're putting themselves in the fire. Yeah. They're, they're trying new things. They're exposing themselves to new things. They're going to fail. Yep. They're going to succeed. But only through that process can we find learning, not only about ourselves, but about what we're truly about and how to make that life that we want to see you know, come to fruition, that self-actualization all the time. And it's that ability to move in and out of these challenges and to continuously challenge ourselves. We finally see that growth. And yeah, that healthy concept of, of manhood and identifying what those are, what those key factors are and making sure that the fraternity itself is supporting those are all fundamental to a, a quality experience. At least that's, in my, in my uh, purview, what I, what I see is how we set each other up for success. We're, we're challenging uh, our fellow man in the right ways, not challenging them in you know, lowbrow activity, not challenging them in things that aren't uh, going to get them to where they need to be and, and put themselves in a position of success long-term. And Again, that goes back to, to managing those, those internal conflicts of, of who they are and that awareness piece of where they want to go. Oh, no, absolutely. Like you, you said about what, if we're going to fail, like that's such a key concept that I think people um, forget nowadays is you're going to stink until you get good. No one does anything really great the first time. And this time that the, these, our brothers are in college and antique, and to remember that, we're, you're going to stink at something until you constantly work at it and develop it, and you're going to fall back, and you're going to move forward to be great and to do great things, whatever that may be. But we're going to stink at it. And that's why we want to remember that with our, our brothers and with those around us, is that it's not everyone doing everything at the same pace. And if we can remember that and we can remember that, hey, there's going to be, there were things that I was really good at 
naturally and maybe I picked up easier and there's things that I'm not. And so if I can remember that and be, be supportive of my brothers, we're going to, to have less conflicts and we're going to move through conflicts you know, better. And that's what I always want to go back to is that core belief of just remembering we've all, you know, we're not all great at something. I can think of countless scenarios in the fraternity, uh, just in the fraternity world, right? If someone's not good at finances, then if they've never been taught it, then they're, they're probably going to have a harder time paying their dues. Absolutely. If they've not been taught the proper work ethic to, to get it done in the classroom, or maybe that they are able to just get by on pure smarts, but now that they're in, in, in college, you got you to make that commitment. You're not as structured. You yep. know, perhaps they were, were not so good with time management. Yep. And all these things lead into other potential wellness problems like you're talking about. You know, if we're short on sleep, what do we do? Starbucks, energy drinks, whatever else. Well, then that's draining another system of, of healthy just body, mind, and spirit. And if we, okay, then turn that into another Thursday night of staying up late and socializing, well, then we're, pu we're just putting ourselves in a vicious cycle that we have to break at some point. Right. Your fellow frauders should be there to help you out and, and, and pull that, you know, that armor on you and say, hey, man, we get, we, I know you're better than this. Uh, you've got the qualities. How can I help you learn more about finances? How can I help you learn more about study habits or some of the things that, that work for me in really dig down and, and help that guy out, right? Is that Greg, you're talking about finance and, you know, uh, structure. I'm going to tell you, there's a story in freshman year where uh, two of my fraternity brothers and I were sitting together going, girls are never going to date us. All the other fraternity guys are getting all these girls and they're just, we're just horrible creatures. And there's a, and it's actually a good picture. I'm surprised I don't have it up here because it's, it's me and two of my fraternity brothers. And I remember us having this discussion of, well, when we're old and gray, we're going to sit on the porch together in our rocking chairs because no one's ever going to want to be with us. Um, and it's a funny story, but you know what? That was a great emotional support with something as important in college as dating. Yeah. You know, so yes, finances, structure, schedule, but something as simple as dating because dating's super simple nowadays that, you know, sometimes we need somebody else to, to lean on and know that I'm not, you know, uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame and never going to meet anyone. Uh, Jerry, I think that's a podcast for another time. A whole nother set of circumstances we could probably uh, talk about for, you know, a, a multiple part series in, uh, in developing relationships and yeah. uh, ooh, inner, inner communication between um, different genders, uh, different expectations. Yeah. I want to approach that digitally. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that you could go on for quite some time. So absolutely. But you know, it is about helping each other and just remembering that, you know, like I said, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. One of the, the reasons I think I've succeeded as a therapist is because I'm an auditory learner, you know, sitting and reading was never my easiest thing for me. Um, but I can pick up things. I can listen to things. And that's just my strength and I know my weaknesses. And that's what we want to go back to is just remember everyone is going through stuff. Everyone has stuff and we don't always, you know, we don't always see it. We don't wear signs on our, our chest or our forehead that say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. And we, you know, I can never emphasize enough that remembering that I don't know what that other guy's going through, but I don't have to be a jerk. I don't have to be uh, nitpicking. I don't have to be nagging him. I don't have to be confrontational you know, because I wouldn't want that coming back to me. Well, you have plenty of people that just have simple blind spots. They just, they just don't know that about themselves or even how those actions are affecting other people. And, you know, that's, that's the best part of the brotherhood is that you can come with that fraternalism and just even make a comment. And it could really be the change that that person needs. And, you know, you said the way you learn, you've got to be the best version of yourself. And you know, if you're going to struggle, if you personally know you're going to struggle in an area, reach out and ask for help. You, the, the, one of the great things about being in a fraternity is that if, if I've got a question about, you know, taking care of my lawn or what it's like to parent or what it's like to, you know, manage someone for the first time, or how do I cope with the loss of a parent or the loss of, you know, a loved one, anything along those lines, you have that network already of guys that you trust, you've been through some, some shared experiences with, you know who they are, 
you can pick up that phone, you can text them, you can hop on a Zoom. It doesn't, we have all this technology at our hands today, but I feel that so many people just don't reach out and do the simple thing of ask for help yep. and just put themselves in a position of, to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I'm, I'm not an expert at X, Y, Z, right? I don't know how to, you know, we'll use, I'll go back to finances. You know, my father-in-law, fellow frauder, he's a CPA. Why, why would I go through my finances to file my taxes when I've got one, a frauder who I can trust and two, you know, a family member that I can trust to help guide me and put me in a position to be ever more successful. And then I can pick up and learn lessons along the way for my own, my own well-being. Yep. I just think that we have to remember that it's a sign of strength to ask for help, not a sign of weakness. Absolutely. What we view as strength and what we view as weaknesses as a society are, are, are twisted. You know, real strength is asking for help, is reaching out. And, and honestly, about four weeks ago, I had something I was going on in my family. And one of um, a gentleman I know who wasn't even one of my fraternity teaks, but somebody I, I've come across in business over the years as a teak. And I was going through something a couple of weeks ago. And my first thought was him. Um, not because he was a teak, but I knew he had gone through stuff a year ago that was very similar. And he struggled with um, the nuances of phone calls and following up with people to get the right people to help him. And he was the first person I called. And actually, as I was calling him, it did dawn on me. I'm like, oh, he's a teak also. But it was about like, I just remembered he'd been there and that, let me ask him. And he was more than willing to um, give me help. And ironically, we, we have a mutual uh, friend together. He actually reached out to that person and said, hey, just so you know, Jerry's going through stuff. And that guy reached out to me, which was incredibly rewarding and strengthening for me to know I wasn't going through something alone. Um, and so we want to instill that now, which is the, the foundations of Teak and, and uh, the brotherhood and that young men are hopefully learning that in the four years of college. But you know, continuing with that as we grow older, um, that these relationships are lifelong and that, you know, we are in this together and we're always there for people, but it's so important to reach out and ask for stuff when you need it. Yeah. And that concept of lifelong, I think, you know, I, I turned, uh, I turned 40 this last year. Uh, You're a baby. <laughs> I know. I, 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 that's why the older I get, the less I realize I don't know. Uh, my mother reminds me of that all, all the time. But as I look back, there are certain, certain things that you do that one does when they are in their, their, their teens, right? You talked about that with your origin story. Yep. It helps set up a domino effect in your life. And there are guys that are going to be successful because, you know, it, at least on the outside, it's, they got that appearance of, of getting it all, all together, right? Maybe they're just a really good duck. They're calm on the top but paddling like hell underneath. But my, my point is, and why I'm saying this, is that there are certain habits, there are certain things and skills and methodologies that you can start to learn and employ you know, through this TEAK experience when you're a collegiate, when you're an active member. And it, for most people, that's typically 18 to 22. Yep. And by all means, you've got guys of all ages that join the fraternity and guys of all ages that need to hear this. But you've got to start building those right habits and you'll learn throughout the course of your life, if you take the time and invest in yourselves and invest in other members to work and grind and build and, and put yourself out there and fail and learn. But that's what's going to get you to that point of being confident at an older age to pick up the phone and call and ask for help from someone because you built that habit mm -hmm. as a younger man. As you began to forge yourself as who you are, you realize that you've got to set yourself up by surrounding yourself with the right people. And if you yep. start that habit younger and earlier, you're only going to grow and build it and be even stronger with it. And that's one thing I've realized since being out of school the last, you know, 15, 20 years is that you've got to make those decisions. It's okay to, to screw up. It's okay to fail, but that failure has to be a, a, a learning experience, a time, not a, not a sentence that says this is going to dictate the rest of my future. And I, I really think if people, when they start to build those muscles early, they're only stronger when they get older. Absolutely. I couldn't put it better. It's like going to the gym. You know, you got to constantly put the work in 
to build the muscle and it is the habit and it's, you know, it's all over. We take care of our bodies by exercising. We take care of our minds by reading and learning, um, but by also by communicating and sharing. But the more we do these things, the more, you know, we accept the fact that there'll be failure, but there's growth from failure. Humans have never succeeded because everything was going great. We succeed when there's problems you know, and individually as a society, as a community, when things are bad, we come together and growth. But from my failures throughout my life, I've come, you know, I've moved forward from them. I don't, I think there's been more growth when I've had failure than when I've had success because, you know, it's when we're pushed to the brink and we hit some low spots that we, we, we move forward. And sometimes we're going to do it by ourselves, but a lot of times we need those around us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you started to delve a little bit into more of the society and the greater community pieces. And, you know, this fraternity, whether, whether you're 18 or 40 like myself or even more experienced, there are, there are things that we learn that we can help better society. And in today's society, there's a significant amount of turmoil. There's, there's an opinion, there's fact, and there's rumor on, about the pandemic about the social, uh, the social injustices that are taking place. There's different movements going on uh, that are out there, whether that's related to race and ethnicity or whether it's related to gender and those rights. How does one take what they've learned, some of these skills as conflict management and translate that into the larger conversation? What are some of the, the things that, that you've seen, whether you know personally or in your practice that have translated from hey, I've been able to work on some of these skills and now I've been able to lead or I've been able to have a better part of the greater conversation that's going to help us move, move our entire society uh, forward. Ooh, that's a tougher one. Um, I had to I, get you sometime. What's that? I had to get you sometime. What I've seen is everything always boils down to we're all in this together. And that, you know, sometimes um, we get lost in these bigger pictures and the reality is sometimes going smaller and seeing what's going on around you and making those improvements in those interpersonal relationships will grow. Um, it's very overwhelming, a lot of the stuff that we see on the news, on social media. Uh, and I think a lot of people are just overwhelmed by it in general. And I think people... Um, Sometimes when they're overwhelmed, we'll shrink down and feel like maybe, you know, I can't do anything and they're scared and they're fearful. And then other people, I think, just feel like, well, what can I do? And going back to how we started this conversation, if I help one person, if I have one conversation, I can make that difference. Um, and I think that's so important. I know I live my life that way. Uh, and I can think of numerous examples of where I just focus on one person. And one thing, if I could help one person, if I can understand one, what one person's coming from, what their perspective is, um, then I, I can start to make that change, you know? And, and to me, that's all important. Like, you know, you, when you asked in the beginning, what was my origin story with getting into psychology? You know, that's just one microcosm of my life. Um, there are many, you know, examples in my life that have um, caused me to be who I am. And so I, I want to kind of remember that when, when dealing with some of the, like I said, these issues is I don't know what Greg's experience has been. Greg doesn't know what my experiences are. And I want to go, I want to keep that in the forefront and work from there, you know, because I'm not saying, you know, and I think when we talk about conflict, when we talk about um, things going on in society, society today, it's, I just want to remember, I don't know what Greg's been through. And I understand that I don't know what Greg doesn't know what I've been through and that let's try to work on whatever together and let's help each other together. I find that simple thought and, and um, grounding thought helps us move together and moves forward. I think at the end of the day, you've got to put your, you got to put a little bit of faith and trust Absolutely. into your fellow man, whether it's your fellow frauder, your fellow guy that's living on your block or even in your city. And it's hard to do that when you see so much negativity come from social media, from the news, from maybe that guy on your own block, maybe it's a guy in your own fraternity. But I love your approach. And one of the questions that I've used 
and I don't know if this, this is helpful or, or the right approach, but I'll, I'll toss it to you, is, is a simple question of help me understand. Absolutely. I, I, know you, you, I know you said this. I know you did this. But help me understand a little bit about where you're coming from or help me understand what it's like you know, you're in New Jersey. You know, help me what it's, what it's like in New Jersey because here's what's going on in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And that help me understand just gives that individual a, 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 the, the permission. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. Beautiful. It gives them permission to open up and go to a deeper level than just the surface with me and say, I want you to understand because this is why I'm hurting or this is where I'm coming from or these are the, the experiences that have made me who I am today. And that simple question just helps put them into the conversation versus being defensive and putting their guard up. Absolutely. I, I normally in therapy, I would say, help me, help, help me to help you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do it in what, the examples you were giving Greg, because then that sounds judgmental. You know, when it's a therapy session, I could say that because you've come in to see me, you know, mm-hmm. it's less challenging to say that in the climate of the news, the media, uh, social media, I should say, um, that could, I could see where people might take my way of saying it of, you know, help me to help you make it seem like you have a problem. I love your version of, you know, help me understand, you know, where are you coming from? It is, it, it lets people know that hopefully you're going to be non-judgmental and listen. Yeah, I think that's, we, we've got to have the conversation. Nothing is going to get accomplished if we're just spouting, you know, whatever rhetoric that is, is out there. We're not going to get things accomplished. We're not going to move the needle to where we as, a, as an individual, as a, as a person needs to go or as a community, as a chapter uh, or as a world, if all we're going to do is throw up defenses and just spit back some rhetoric, we have to listen to our fellow man so we can find those commonalities and have that deeper understanding and to be vulnerable and open ourselves up. And I think the fraternity gives us a great avenue to start that, whether we're 18 or whether we're more experienced. And to me, that's the, the beauty of, of the skills and the lessons that we're going to learn as, as young men and as, and as frauders. And, you know, we, we want to remember that we're not all going to agree. We're, we're never, you know. And it's, it's funny with, when we're talking about the things that are going on, going on in the world today, and I mentioned social media. And I, I remember there was a, a post that was going on, and my fraternity brothers were taking sides. And, you know, the, the list of, you know, comments was growing. And I remember one of them, and I got involved in it. And I said to one of the guys, I'm like, I really don't care one way or the other about this issue. You're my fraternity brother. I, I've always respected you for that. It's okay to disagree. We don't have to attack. Like I'm not gonna. Get, I don't have to attack you, nor do you have to attack me on this. And, and but for me, I always go back to those core beliefs. Like these are guys that I've spent four years with, maybe a little bit more than four years with. And despite their their political views, their religious views, their societal views, I always go back to that fundamental of we were in this together. We, we all have this commonality and, and we're not gonna agree and that's completely all right because I still love and respect you because you're my brother. And, you know, and, and that's a, a, a huge part to remember is, I think a lot of times nowadays, people are so adamant to get other people to agree like I see things or you see things. And there isn't a fundamental um, conclusion to some things. Many things there's not. But we can accept that and I can learn and, and maybe change my view, maybe not change my view, but at least I'm a little bit smarter from it. I, I often say, and I, I didn't say this in the beginning of this, um, but I have the greatest job in the world. And it's the great, I've always said it's the greatest job in the world because I learned so much from people that I would never learn in the classroom. You know, I hear amazing stories, I hear funny stories, and I hear horrible tragedy stories. But I've learned about electricity and the power companies. I've learned about relationships, about what I should or shouldn't do from listening to other people's. I don't think I'm right half the time, but at least I just have that opening and, and I'm willing to learn and, and just be amazed by the things that, that I hear. And I, and I think it's important, especially in, in, um, as young men in chapter, uh, in, I'm sorry, in, in uh, 
well, in various chapters and fraternity houses and stuff. So just remember that you don't have to be 100% right because the other guy doesn't have to be 100% wrong. I don't know where they're coming from. They don't know where I'm coming from. And even if we listen and say, how can I, how can I uh, hear you? Or how can I help you? That I still may not agree with you, but it's okay. You know, it's okay. And to have that understanding because then that's that respect for one another. I think in the fraternity in society, there are certain codes, there are certain ethics, morals, just the way we go about how we do things. And, you know, the larger the group, the looser that's going to be, the smaller the group, we're going to be a little bit more, a little bit more intertwined in it. And I think those fundamental core pieces, and to me, you know, I translate core as it's written on the heart, you know, from, you know, it's pretty literal almost, uh, as to what I firmly stand for, believe in, and what I trust in. And then it goes out from there in terms of different things that we're just going to disagree on. Mm -hmm. I think to me, when I was always posed, the hard questions are not the, the ones that have such large consequences, such as lying, cheating, and stealing. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone you're going to come into is going to agree that lying, cheating, and stealing are just, they're just not going to be accepted. It's just not acceptable if we want to continue a relationship because otherwise I can't trust you. It's, it's all those, all those pieces. Absolutely. When we move away from that, I can disagree with you who has the best sandwich in town. I can disagree with you who's got the best, who's, what, what type of music mm -hmm. is, is the best to listen to. God knows I, my wife and I go back and forth on that all the time, right? Yes. Uh, and, you know, what, who the best sports teams are. And the skills that we can learn just discussing as, as young men or older men of disagreeing on these pieces, it can show us how to get to a greater understanding for some of those, well, that's a gray area. And I'm not sure how I feel yet, but when we're open and we listen to the other person's arguments, it's going to help us redefine who we are. But then ultimately, I, I have to live my life. That person has to live theirs. And I'm just you got to come to an appreciation of being better because you knew that person. And if they're crossing those lines with you, then it's time to move on from that person. It becomes far too toxic. But that to me, I think is that ultimate piece of, yeah, we're going to agree to disagree on so many things in life. It's what is that fundamental. We're all, like you said, we're all in it together because we believe these certain things to be true. Right. These core beliefs, you know, like I said, no one wants to be made fun of. No one wants to be the butt of jokes. No one wants to be wrong. Those are core beliefs. I can't find anyone who wants to be made fun of, you know? So those, those core beliefs, the lying, cheating, stealing, those are core beliefs. And just to be open-minded and to learn. Yes. No one's got all the answers at all. <laughs> yeah, I think as you go through years, you realize, like I said earlier, you learn or you know you uh, – have less of the answers that are out there. Uh, and then you throw children in the mix, uh, which is a whole nother podcast series we could go into. It yes. just is gonna, you know, again, further complicated. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we've interwoven through this whole discussion is that concept of, of wellness and uh, mental health. And, you know, before we wrap up today, I think it's, it, would, it would be super beneficial and it would be a great way to, to put a cap on this what are some of those strategies? What are some of those things that I can do, whether I'm 20 years old, 30 years old, you know, even more experienced than that? What are some of those things that I can do to help promote mental health in my, my chapter and in my community, uh, along with maybe even myself? Maybe, again, it probably starts with myself, right? Absolutely starts with yourself. Um, I always start with, with the fundamentals of, and research shows this, if we get six to eight hours of sleep, we're gonna handle things better. What we're putting in our bodies. If I'm living off Starbucks and McDonald's, I'm not gonna be at my best for that long. Um, I, I talk about um, getting vitamin D. Getting outside and getting 20 minutes of vitamin D, 15, 20 minutes of vitamin D does so much for mental health. Um, eating, sleeping, oh, and exercise. You know, 30 minutes, you know, five times a day, getting the heart rate up is gonna physically make us feel better. I point that out because research shows that there's a, I want to say 25% increase in um, 
mental health, so anxiety, depression being two of the most common issues that people struggle with, that people have a 25% increase in less depression feelings by doing those four things. You know, so there are things that we can physically do to help our mental health. Other, the other things we can do is talk about what we're, you know, we're going through. There are always people there willing to listen to us, family, friends, fraternity brothers, talk about what's going on. Don't be afraid to tell people what you're struggling with. You know, I, when I was back in school, uh, elementary, middle school, teacher said the only dumb question is the one not asked. And, you know, the same goes for mental health. You know, if I don't tell people what I'm going through, people can't help, you know, to, to help me. And you'd be surprised if you tell someone you're struggling with something, they're going to be there for you as well, because we know other people have been affected by it as well. You know, I saw a great speaker years ago who had an auditorium at a high school speaking. Uh, and in this example, he had people stand up and he said, if you've been affected, if you were somebody you know is addicted to alcohol, stand up. And if you know someone who's addicted to drugs, stand up. And if you know someone who's dealt with mental health issues, stand up. And he, he listed like five or six things. And at the end of it, he goes, okay, look around. How many people are sitting down? And in an auditorium full of people, there might've been six people who didn't stand up for those things. Yeah. And the point was, and that was always a powerful message I saw, was the guys next to you on either side, behind you, in front of you, all had had some similar experience. So to talk about what we're going through. Um, the other thing I talk about is talk about mental, you know, hey, if you go to a therapist, that's awesome. Talk about going to a therapist. You shouldn't be embarrassed by it. I'm talking to somebody who can help me get through some stuff I'm going through, you know, and, and when we talk about accepting people that we're humans, we're all struggle, we're all in this together. Hey, if someone needs to talk to someone, that's a great thing. They're getting help, you know, um, it, with my background with addictions. One of the things I've, I've always kind of fought for with people is, you know, people get tied up with like the alcoholic term, right? And I go, the only people who use the term alcoholic are people who know they have a drinking problem and don't drink anymore. I go, the person who's actively drinking and is an active alcoholic is doing everything to deny they have a problem. Yeah. The alcoholic is someone who knows they have a problem. And you'd be surprised, Greg, how many people go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I go, right. We have to change those narratives. We need to change the narrative that you're weak or you're soft or, or you're crazy because you, you, you have a mental health issue or you're talking to somebody. And we want to get away from that. You know, I, in some ways I'm blessed because my kids all know what I do. So they openly talk about like, oh, my dad's a therapist, you know, but great. I'm glad my girls have that ability to talk about mental health, health mental health and it turns out their father's a therapist. And I hope that by them talking about what I do, it helps other people. Yeah, you know, we want to break down that stigma. Yeah, then that's exactly it. When I go to the, whether it's a professional development conference or I'm talking to someone on a campus, uh, just about the, the programs, the offerings, the services that they have, their goal is to lower that stigma to increase access. Mm -hmm. And it starts peer to peer. And it starts with, reinforcing, hey, it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's healthy to talk about what's going on and to find someone that you trust. And in a brotherhood like we have, there are natural trust relationships built where you can put your arm around someone or, you know, hey, let's go grab a burger. Let's go grab a, a coffee. You know, obviously we need to, to physically distance in today's world. But, you know, to me, creating that little, that tiny little event Hey, let's grab a game of uh, on, on Xbox. Let's, you know, let's, whatever that might be, just that tiny little event where you can sit down and interact with your fellow man to either open up or if you see someone hurting, tell them that you care and yeah. show them that you care because when they feel that they care, they feel that safety that lowers that stigma and then allows them to, to open up and, and to talk a little bit more. And, that might just be the first conversation that they needed to have, that shot of courage that they needed to have to go get further help or to get further assistance with it. And the more we can train our guys and encourage our guys to do those small little things, it's gonna end in large life-changing results. And to me, that the mental health piece is a part of the, the wellness piece, which goes into all those physical attributes you're talking about. And you hit on so many things that you can take a look at 
and just be observant. As a fellow fraud or as a fellow man, just be observant of people, their actions and their behaviors. And if you see something, that's an indication that, hey, I might need to, to step in and just, just ask that question or just show a person that you care about them uh, and start a conversation. And again, you know, it, it could be an addiction. It could, and people get addicted to different things. I know yep. you brought up alcohol and, and in fraternity, alcohol, I'm not going to lie to you, by far number one problem. What? <laughs> Never. <laughs> nothing else comes close to it. But alcohol is also a cause of many other problems that are yep. going on that you can see. We can trace it back to alcohol. There are other different addictions that people get, it, you know, whether it's pornography, whether it's, you know, caffeine, whether it's prescription medication. Uh, there are certain other addictions that are out there. And I know that list isn't conclusive. It's just Absolutely. the things that were on my mind based on a couple of the last conversations I've had. So we've got to have a heightened awareness of our fellow man if we're ever going to help him out. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember when we talk about what it means to be a man and we talk about strength, that you know, strength isn't being a rock, isn't being emotionless. Vulnerability is a huge strength. Because if I can be vulnerable to somebody in front of somebody, that's real strength, that's real courage, and that helps other people. You know? But it helps myself first and foremost. Um, and, and that's one of those things we want to talk about. So if I can say to somebody, Greg, I really got this feeling you're struggling with something and maybe I'm wrong, but I just got this feeling, I, the, the look on your face, you know, things you're saying, or maybe you haven't shown up to things, that vulnerability for me to take that risk, to say that to Greg is giving him the opportunity to potentially tell me what's going on. Yeah. You know? Being like, ah, he's just going to shake it off. It's not going to do it. You know, vulnerability is real strength. And we got to, we got to incorporate that message to help people because so many people are struggling with mental health issues uh, prior to the pandemic. The pandemic has just put, you know, gasoline on a fire, but you know, we got, people are struggling. People need help. People want to feel connected and we need to be vulnerable. And by our own vulnerability, can really show strength that it's okay to be vulnerable and we can, you know, get the help we need. People shouldn't be struggling by themselves. Yeah. We want to lower that stress, not increase the stress, increase the anxiety. And let's, we have to face our reality of today. There are so many unknowns and mm -hmm. that just feeds into anxiety. And there are so many things out there that are challenging people in different ways, you know, working and living from home, uh, commuting to school in a different way, or, hey, we're going to, you're, you might not be a learner that can do things online and in a virtual setting, but you want to be successful. There's an unknown there. There's a stress there. We've got to look out for our fellow man and look out for ourselves to put ourselves in that position for success. And it starts with vulnerability. It starts with opening up and, and you got to do that for yourself, man. You, yep. you can't go and do that for somebody, but if you lead and show the way, and go about it in a, a healthy, you know, positive manner, it's just more people are going to follow it. The stigma is going to be lowered and you're going to have a way better chapter experience. That's going to be long lasting uh, than anyone else who just goes through the motions and, you know, just thinks life is just, just theirs to, to live their own way and doesn't understand that interconnectedness. Absolutely. You know, and just to remember, like, you know, everyone's struggling with something. And, you know, we, we, and we want to talk about it. We want to address it. We don't want to keep our head in the sand because nothing gets better with that. You know, uh, we're getting to uh, about our, our time here. You know, we want to keep the fraternal experience positive. And you got to think of how uh, you know, <laughs> my son just came back from school and got a, a, a band that says he was a bucket filler. And then he was helping the other children out, learn helping people, you know, clean up, sharing. He just had a really great day. Uh, that filled my bucket. But when we talk about this, the, what you can do in the chapter, I know we got into some, some very specific Perfect. things too, but having that mentality of, is what, am I, what I'm doing, is it contributing to the fraternity experience? Or am I just stirring the pot? Am I just being that guy in the back of the room? Am I just doing something to get under somebody's skin? And that's not, that's not brotherhood. That's not fraternity. 
I, I challenge everyone that's out there listening to focus on what they can do. And we spent the majority of the last hour talking about things that you can do, actionable items, how you can live esteem and put yourself in a position of success. So then that bleeds off to a better experience for you and the fellow men that you're in the chapter with and down the line when you have life, life, life calls and you need to reach out to someone for help. And to me, those are all real important things. We discuss different strategies on conflict, discuss different ways to, to, to attack that, uh, to own it, to look at yourself about the, the challenge, the assumption of the stories that you're telling yourself. Covered all these topics. You know, Jerry, before we, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that we miss? Is there anything that you're just, you got to get out to, to Teak Nation here? Oh my God, just one thing, that would be hard. Um, I, I, go, I just go back to just remember we're, we, we're all going through things, but you know, we're all connected, especially in Teak Nation. You know, this is a lifelong um, commitment. It's a lifelong brotherhood. And just, you know, just be there for yourself and for other people. Uh, even the guy who's in the back of the room stirring the pot, I still love him because he's my brother, you know, and just remembering that. Fantastic. Well, I want to just thank you for your time today and just dropping all of this knowledge and concentrating it in. And I know uh, we, we've scratched the surface. And if this is a topic that our, our listeners out there, our members are out there, want to hear more about, I think we'll put other priorities aside and get back up there and keep this conversation going. Because now more than now more than ever, we're facing things that are such an unknown that we've got to be a stronger, tighter, more supportive brotherhood in order for all of us to succeed. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, Jerry's right. We are in this together. We've got to look out for ourselves and for our fellow man. And when we do that, that's where we're gonna find true, true brotherhood. That's where we're gonna find the true meaning of fraternity and what we're all in this for and how we're gonna do it uh, to help each other out, have a long, successful life and achieve goals that we could never achieve on our own and push ourselves to new levels of greatness. So, uh, Jerry, from the bottom of my heart, man, this this has been great. This is such a fantastic investment in my time. I know it was for you. I can see it uh, in your face as we do the, the video uh, version of the podcast here. Mm -hmm. But I just appreciate you uh, bringing your knowledge, your lifelong experience to, to help out our fellow frauders. And, you know, guys, if you're out there, if you're struggling, if you, if you need some help, you know, reach out, ask your fellow frauder for some help. Uh, focus on the things that you can control to, to better in your life. And if you feel like you've lost control, just know there's someone out there, else out there that's struggling, someone else out there that's willing to help. And we're, we're here for you, man. We really, really are here for you. We care about you and we love you. Frauders, this is the Fraternity for Life. Thank you for being with us here on the Teak Nation podcast. Have yourselves a great day. Have yourselves a great week and go out there succeed and achieve those goals. Frauders, I love the fraternity. Thank you.